0: This is John Malone with BibleStudy.net. Good evening. Good to be with you. Uh, We're taking up the Scriptures here for this next hour, and we've been taking up the subject uh, the last couple of days on the Kingdom of the Heavens. Actually, we uh, began talking about the Kingdom of the Heavens uh, yesterday in some detail. The Bible suffers a great deal at the hands of its friends. Just to remind you that uh, the Scripture cannot possibly contradict itself in any way, we do not believe the Scripture by preponderance of evidence. Uh, that sounds too much like the Supreme Court or some other dubious or doubtful process, such as stare decisis or other legal processes invented by men that get us into as much trouble as we're in. But the Bible is a different book, and when we come to it, it's every whit true. And there's no contradictions in it. If there was one single verse of Scripture that taught us clearly that we could lose our salvation, then we could lose our salvation. And if there was one verse of Scripture that truly contradicted another verse of Scripture, we ought just get rid of the book and do whatever we feel like, uh, as so many do today. So uh, let God be true and every man be found to be wrong or a liar. And uh, let me uh, tell you that uh, that we have eternal life because God says we have eternal life. Let me just remind you that uh, there is a distinction between God's gift and God's prize. And when we do not, when we do not uh, rightly divide the Scripture, we will take certain Scriptures that have to do with the prize of God and apply them to the gift of God, and then we will distort them. Scriptures such as Hebrews chapter six, or we'll take Scriptures that have to do with the nation of Israel and the word of God going out to the Gentiles, such as Romans eleven. And try to apply that which is applied to an entire people to that which is applied to an individual, and then we'll have a mess uh, arising from that. The word of God is the word of the words of God are pure words. They're like silver tried in a furnace. They're words from the earth. They're the ordinary words that God gives us, and they're tried seven times. God tried them seven times before He put them in this, in the Bible. We ought to at least read them once. My theme is the kingdom of the heavens, and I tried to take up uh, yesterday, uh, even though by taped means, the distinction of the kingdom between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the heavens. And um, there were there were a couple of references yesterday into the book of Daniel, and I want to start out with a little portion of the book of Daniel. But in order to do that, uh, I have to give some significant background. One of the problems with with teaching the scriptures is that it seems like uh, one always must background the believer. And uh, it just seems like we're always giving background and and, and never really bringing out that thing that we want to bring out. But I'm given comfort by the eighth parable in the uh, section of Matthew 13, which says that every scribe who is instructed into the kingdom of the heavens is like a man who is a householder, who brings out of his treasure things New and old, and uh, it's in that order. And I think about uh, an old man having a treasure, and my own picture of that uh, scripture at this time is um, I I envision myself with my grandchildren. I'm not that old, but I'm plenty old enough to have a whole pile of grandchildren. And I I picture myself with uh, one of my grandchildren uh, taking out some things and showing them to them, maybe something new that I've bought. Uh, and maybe something old that I've retained. And that really is the way that um, we have to approach the Scriptures. We have to bring out some new truth, uh, and we also have to bring out old things. The old things of the Scripture, the things that are background or the things that are foundational, have to do with the building up of the outline in the believer. And friends, uh, God wants to build a doctrinal house inside you. God wants to build you up in your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And just like any uh, well-ordered uh, room, workshop or, uh, or edifice that's being built, there has to be a real good outline and a good plan so that everything can be put in the right place. If you proceed uh, to go build without any plans, uh, you'll find yourself uh, wasting material. With a, You'll have a, an, an unsteady edifice. Uh, you'll have a, a weak structure. You'll get a bad result. There needs to be a plan. There needs to be a form that, uh, in, uh, into which and upon which all the rest of the materials are set. God is careful to do that in his word, and he is also careful to do this mysterious and wonderful thing. God is careful to give us ministry of the word of God. It is not that we need any special, specific men to teach us. We have the ability to be taught out of the Scripture. And yet God, despite the fact that we have no uh, specific need, does specifically and generally provide teaching of Scripture to us, so that he foresaw and, and also saw to it that the faith would be transmitted by one faithful man to another faithful man, who is able to teach another faithful man to teach other faithful men. And uh, if we've learned anything in the scriptures, we ought to be humble enough and observant enough to point out that in our life there have been uh, there has there has been a faithful man or there have been uh, faithful men who have helped us along in the scripture and imparted to us an outline of sound words. And uh, in my own life I could point to uh, four older men who gave me uh, great help, uh, even, even more than that, actually, but four specific older men who gave me great help in um, formulating the Scripture and an outlook on them whereby it all, uh, well, all that I've come across can at least at some point uh, make good sense uh, to me. Not that I know the Scriptures ought to, I certainly don't, but uh, at least I'm not wrangling and wrestling with passages as if the Bible contradicts itself. Now, we're talking about this grand theme, the kingdom of the heavens, and uh, I guess I would be remiss to fail to point out that it's quite a controversial subject. Uh, today, we have so many divisions within Christianity. We have we have uh, so many divisions, we can't really account for all of them except to say this, that the Bible accounts for every division that can arise. And every heresy, uh, which we equate to teaching, but which l- literally means schism, oftentimes based on teaching, every schism among Christians that uh, arises is answerable by God's word. The one large schism that I'm talking about, I'll just call the Reformed Dispensational Schism. Um I don't like to use these kind of words, but words do encompass briefly that which otherwise takes paragraphs and pages to say. But we have today, uh, uh, and it's been a long time. This the, the schism precedes precedes me, predates me, and uh, who knows if if the Lord doesn't come soon, will postdate me. I'm sure as well. This this division between reformed uh, theology and dispensational theology now I, I, I don't even like the word theology I I, um, I, 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 bit, I bristle a bit at it as it seems to be so much man's word about God even though uh, we, we need to focus on is God's word to man but uh, there are those who have come to conclusions uh, I, I, which which I'll broadly classify as reformed which essentially states that God has already, Implemented his kingdom on earth. That uh, God is in it's a, that it's a process. He's in the process of doing it, not that the whole kingdom of God has arrived in its final state, but it's progressing nicely, and that he will that he has replaced Israel with the church to bring about his kingdom, and then that's that. And so we'll find the precision uh, scriptures. Um, fulfilled spiritually, the precise scripture about Israel, fulfilled spiritually by the church and so forth, and so on. I don't give a good account of uh, reformed uh, th- uh, viewpoint because I can't make any sense of it and I've given up trying and uh, myself I'm dispensational. Well, the Bible word dispensation is it, it, the word dispensation is sort of a 25 cent word. but it is a Bible word and in the Bible word translated dispensation, for example, in the book of Ephesians is the word oconomia. It does happen uh, that I studied the dismal science in college. I'm not proud of that. Uh, I, I have not kept my diploma anywhere prom- anywhere that I could ever put my hands on it. But I did study uh, economics uh, at the University of Nebraska, and uh, I'm glad that's over. Uh, it's called the dismal science, but the the word econo- but but we made it dismal. Uh, by segmenting and separating this word from its root meaning. It is a compound word in the Greek uh, from the word oika, which is house, and nomia, which is rule or law. It is the law of the house. So an oikonomia, an, an, an or a dispensation, is the laws of the house. And you may even know that we have house rules, uh, for example, in a baseball game, if you know baseball at all, and uh, if you listened yesterday, you realize that I have a certain uh, appreciation of baseball. But before the game, uh, you'll see uh, ump- uh, managers of baseball teams exchanging their lineup cards, and uh, that's, a, it's a gentleman's, uh, that's a gentleman's arrangement there. Uh, the umpires check the lineup cards to make sure there aren't any obvious mistakes on them, there are no penalties applied uh, at that time. The umpire superintends the meeting. And he gives the, the, the general the, the, the rules that apply to that particular field. And each particular field may have its own ground rules or house rules. Those are the rules of the house. So, for example, if there are guide wires that go across the outfield, the, the, the umpire may say those wires are in play. If a ball hits those wires, it's a live ball. You can take as many bases as you want. Uh, there may be some kind of a drainage uh, uh, facility or whatever it is, and there are rules that pertain to that particular field. Those are the house rules. In other sports, there are also house rules. In your house, there are house rules. This is a dispensation, a rule of the house. And God has rules of the house that are the same or that change as the house of God changes. Any good Bible student would be some kind of dispensationalist or other. The question is to say, how often do the rules of the house change? For example, there are those who say, no, they never change. Everything in the Bible is for me. Uh, all, the, in top, all the verses in the book are mine, every verse, every line, every verse in the book is mine, to which the man, one man who taught me Scripture said, well, how's your ark coming? Which someone answered him and said, what ark are you talking about? And he says, the one that God told you and Noah to build. Well, we, we don't uh, build an ark, at least we don't build one of gopher wood. And uh, we also know that... Uh, God at uh, different times and in a different ways spoke to the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days has spoken unto, his, unto us in His Son. We can read from the Book of Ephesians, for example, that the Apostle Paul talks about a dispensation that was given to him, and that that, that uh, p- part of what was given to him uh, was to to uh, allow for a that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, certain things would be seen and known. Well, if a dispensation was given to him, one can infer that there was at least one before him. And when he talked about that the one given to him was to prepare for the one after him, well, we have at least three. Now, whether there's three different periods, uh, epics of, of, of arrangement by God, or there's seven, or six, or five, or eight, uh, however however many there, there, there are, that they are there, I think, is something clear, clearly taught by the Bible. When we go back now to the book of Daniel, and we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4 for a minute to introduce this notion of the kingdom of the heavens. When we go to the book of Daniel, we find that certain arrangements of God had changed uh, historically in, the, in his relationship with the nation of Israel. What were those arrangements which had changed? Well, God raised up Israel out of Egypt. You see, God at one time spoke to the entire world through through Adam. He had Adam, and he gave Adam commandment. Adam lost track of Eve. He broke the commandment. That was the end of that that was the end of that great experiment. That was the end of God's arrangements. that were the arrangements of the garden. Maybe you would say that was God's house rule in the garden. That changed. He made them coats. He brought forth the way of sacrifice for Cain and Abel. As you know, Cain rose up, slew his brother Abel. Abel's blood spoke to the Lord. Cain had blood guiltiness. God put a mark on Cain. God would not execute Cain. Men began to be wicked. They began to call themselves by the name of Jehovah. Their wickedness became great on the earth, so great did their wickedness come that the angelic host came into the race of men. Uh, Sons of God saw the daughters of Adam, that they were fair, and came into them, and the daughters of uh, Adam bore to them, not children, but bore creatures to them. And the whole race was in tremendous uh, convolution. It had been invaded by uh, and erupted into by uh, angelic hosts. And so God, in, in his uh, mercy and in his uh, great grace, preserved the race because Noah was found perfect in his genealogy or his generation as it reads. Noah, his wife, his three sons, God preserved them through the great deluge and set up a different order wherein instead of letting murderers like Cain to go, with, to go marked, And not executed, God set up the arrangement with the nations, and God threw down now the rule of human law, uh, which is based upon his covenant with the entire earth, and that is the basis for human law today, and at the the very foundation of human law is capital punishment. That's why perhaps you heard yesterday uh, when I said there's an age coming when those who don't like capital punishment, will themselves be executed. That's not today. That's not happening today. I personally am glad that's not happening today. Uh, I don't want my sins, my offenses immediately punished because I still have sinned. But in the day that's coming, I'll be in a resurrection body. I'll, I'll be in a glorified body like unto his glorious body. I won't be sinning. And when the Lord Jesus Christ rules with a rod of iron, uh, I won't have to worry about it. Well, uh, that's a big sweeping group of statements. But in the course, after, after Noah, in the course of God dealing with the nations, according to the, to the covenant he gave Noah and his three sons, uh, God found almost immediately that, that the nations uh, refused to uh, adhere to his truth and instead determined to set up their own religion, uh, worshiping the host of heaven at the Tower of Babel, and he confused their languages, and he selected out a man named Abraham and his household. And God determined to work through Abraham's household and to raise up a nation out of Abraham's seed through Isaac and then through Jacob, who is, the, who is Israel. And God birthed a nation to be his vehicle for his word to the rest of the world and birthed them out of Egypt. And so Israel is God's firstborn son. Don't you forget it. Uh, that uh, God will uh, bless those that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. That's a true story, even though those people, uh, the nation of Israel, can and have been their own worst enemies. After all, they rejected the Messiah. They continue to reject nationally the word of God. They will continue to do so until they come into the time of Jacob's trouble. And then one day when the lord jesus christ returns they'll look upon him whom they have pierced and they'll and in that day the entire nation will believe well in the course of god's dealing with that nation of course the history of israel has been to turn away from god from the time they were brought out with a high hand and moses said unto them stand still and behold the salvation of god this nation has bucked god and has rejected god finally going off into great uh, apostasy, uh, throwing out the faith, making gods uh, uh, themselves, going into idolatry. And uh, when they went into idolatry, uh, and this uh, now I've skipped uh, quite a, quite ahead, after God raised up a kingdom for them, uh, they broke off into idolatry, and their kings chased after uh, false gods and God brought them into captivity. And at the time that God brought them into captivity is the time that Daniel was carried away into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. Having been carried away, uh, Daniel was found to be wise, prudent, fair, and being a pretty eclectic and good politician, Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, the king of Babylon, took up Daniel and his mates, and raise them up into the affairs, into the global affairs of, of uh, Babylon. At this time, God started a period of time, or an epoch of time, which is still enjoyed on earth today. And I say enjoy in the, in the sense of that it's not necessarily great news, but enjoyed in the sense that it is happening today. Uh, at the, the times of the Gentiles. And the times of the Gentiles began with Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and it continues until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are today in the times of the Gentiles. That's bad news. That's good news. It's just news. The times of the Gentiles mean that the Gentiles hold sway in the kingdoms here below with respect to the rulership of the heavens. Now, that's a complicated statement, and it's a complicated and thorny matter to sort out, but it is certainly sortable. So before we go into that, let me read uh, just this place, because this was a lesson that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the whole earth was something Nebuchadnezzar knew very well, but that he was yet under the heavens that ruled over him was something he didn't. And so let me just briefly read some scripture and then... We'll take a break and come back to this. Well, in fact, what I'll do, as I see that I'm running short of time, is I'll just summarize a little further about Nebuchadnezzar, and we'll read it when we come back. And the point is, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and uh, it was foresaw in his dream that he would become in such a humbled position that he would have to learn about the way that the kingdom of the heavens ruled over the affairs of men in his own high-mindedness, typical of a Gentile, he considered that he himself had established himself as the king of the whole earth and that he owed none of that uh, to God. And until he learned the lesson that so many of us don't know and that so many of the leaders of the earth don't know, uh, he was made to be an animal. And we'll read about that when we come back from this break. Listening to BibleStudy.net. I'm John Malone. We're in Daniel chapter four, and uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. There, I'm going to read a, a passage out of it, and I'm just going to begin reading in verse nine. And uh, the, O Belteshazzar, who is Daniel, master of the ma- magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubles thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of my head in my bed. I saw, and behold a tree was a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto the heavens, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. the leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and it was meat for all, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all f- flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree, and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit, let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers, and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomsoever he will, and sets up over it the basest of men." This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, Daniel, declare the interpretation thereof, forasmuch as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream of the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies, the tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, For thy greatness is grown, and reaches unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven, and saying, Hew the tree down, and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomsoever he will. Now, I'm not, that's all the further I'm going to go, because it's a long section as it is. But I want to point out that this this interpretation given by Daniel is the unveiling, really the taking away of a veil. One might say it's the apocalypse of angelic rule in the heavens. One of the reasons that unbelievers uh, and others who do despot to God's word dismiss the book of Daniel as being written later than it was uh, and not being uh, prophetic and so forth, as we as we looked at yesterday, is because of the subject matter it addresses. In fact, they say this book talks about matters that are only seen elsewhere in the New Testament. Well, this is a fact. In fact, in fact, the book is said to be, be locked up or sealed up at the end. Uh, God tells Daniel, seal up the words of your prophecy. But now we have the Bible entirely unsealed for us. We have free course in the book of Daniel. And what do we learn from reading it? We learn that in the heaven that the heavens rule over the affairs of men. In fact, uh, in verse 26 of this passage, it says, "Thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule." And this is a foundational truth here. This is a new truth given at that time to Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, he had to spend seven years uh, to learn it. Uh, Those of you who are interested in Bible chronology and that uh, uh, perhaps uh, enjoy the book of Esther like I do, uh, my my recent study uh, indicates to me that while Nebuchadnezzar is in this seven-year period of learning his lesson where he becomes as a beast of the field, and goes through some kind of change in his physiology to match. Um, the, the Book of Esther takes place, uh, and uh, so so that's an interesting thought. And if you'll give consideration to that, you realize that the the angelic, uh, the the the, 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 ma, the malevolent angelic hosts who occupy the heavens and who have always been the enemy of Israel, and who have always been the enemy of man. The malevolent, angelic hosts here try not only to destroy Nebuchadnezzar, but also seek to destroy Israel. After all, it is the intention of malevolent, wicked hosts to destroy Israel, not because Israel is just Israel, but because Israel is the seed. At the time of the book of Nebuchadnezzar, Israel is the vehicle through whom the Lord Jesus will come as according to the flesh and Israel remains the vehicle through whom God will bring 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from every tribe into the world to yet evangelize the Gentile nations after the church of God is removed from the earth. Now this, uh, these things are made open to us and, uh, we walk, when the Scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight, we realize that we cannot see the angelic hosts. Uh, the only way one can see an angel is that an angel takes the body that is prepared for it, and angels do have bodies prepared for them when they visit men. Angels do not visit men uh, generally uh, except that they that they in fact angels are never given by god to visit men personally except that they visit in human form that's uh, that that will help you to understand some of the things people say today and what they're really saying when god sends an angel to a man they come in the form of a man and they don't come in the form of women and they have bodies according to the book of jude they have bodies that are heavenly bodies that they can use uh, for the purpose of serving God. That is when God sends angels. Uh, Then there are also those deceiving spirits, which will do whatever God allows them to do to deceive men. So we cannot really see angels on our own, so we have to use the eyes of our understanding and the eyes of faith to peer into the unseen world. And we're able to do that because we have the Scriptures, which here in Daniel, begin to unveil the fact that the heavens do rule over men, that the heavens rule over Nebuchadnezzar. Now, here's what happened uh, to Nebuchadnezzar. It says, uh, now I'll read on, uh, starting with verse 27 of Daniel 4, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and that iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. So Daniel here urges Nebuchadnezzar, repent from your sins, what sins that you know, turn from them, quit being high-minded. Verse 28, all this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, there's the space of grace. God gave him a year to see if he would repent. At the end of 12 months, he walked into the palace of the kingdom of Babylon, the king spake and said, "Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty?" While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, "O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee." Now, and then all the things that were prophesied took place, and and he went into his 7 years of humiliation, uh, as an animal. Now, let me say that immediately here, Nebuchadnezzar falls into a trap laid for him by the devil. He falls into the snare of the devil, which is pride. If you read it in the scripture, uh, this, the, the pride is the snare of the devil. That is why novices within Christianity should not be promoted into leadership positions, elders in churches should not be novices. Um, they should not be young men, they should be old men. Uh, the elder, the younger should submit themselves to the elder in the churches. Yet, uh, wicked spirits, uh, spiritual enemies, uh, uh, what do they do almost universally? Well, universally they want younger to rule over older. This, in fact, is what happened when Israel split up and which finally fomented uh, its captivity is that Rehoboam listened to the younger men instead of the older men and today that's still going on whether in church or in government or whatever it is and um, this this now part of the spiritual enmity against man and 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 wicked spirits are against all men uh, they're not merely against uh the, the um, the child of god they're especially against the child of god but they're not merely against the child of god when you're in a warfare when you're at war you are you especially attack military targets uh, maybe many of you watched the Iraq war on television like uh, as it was uh, it was organized because that war was organized for TV watching and you realize that the targets that were uh first uh, targeted were the military targets. There was never an Iraqi airplane that got up off the ground because any opportunity that they may have ever had to fly was taken away from them from the beginning. In fact, I understand they hid whatever planes they had so that they wouldn't be destroyed. So military targets are, of course, the main targets of any enemy. Only Christians today, only Christians can be military targets of wicked spirits. But their, ho- their intention is not merely to destroy the Christian. Behind that, their intention is to destroy all men, especially to destroy human government. Human government are not the arrangements of men. Human government is the arrangement of God. Human government is the, is the covenant that God has with the whole earth so that he will not have to destroy it again by water. And the three facets that preserve humankind in their nations, the three tenets that preserve humankind are capital punishment, eating of meat and and then not eating bloods, but which which has to do with demon worship, eating of meat and being fruitful and multiplying. So if you want to see the general enmity that's against mankind, you will see that there's enmity against eating meat, against capital punishment, and against human reproduction in abundance. For example, you want to test this out. When you meet a vegetarian, the chances are pretty good. Not, it's not 100%. A, a, there are, it is possible for a vegetarian to reform. But when you meet a vegetarian, if you'll ask them, I'll, I'll, are you in favor or against capital punishment? The chances are real good; they're like, they're almost that they'll, that they'll be against capital punishment. Uh, if you'll meet, uh, if you'll ask that same person, are you? Uh, do you believe in abundant human reproduction? Or are you pro-choice or so forth? It, it's very common that you'll find them also uh, in favor. of, of abortion or other means of population control. Okay, those are just asides. You do that experiment. It's not 100%. You can email me on the website www.biblestudy.net, get comments and mail. See if that see if that works out for you in your in your inquiries. So we find that here in Daniel, for the first time, it's laid out that there are watchers, there are watchers, angelic watchers, who watch the operations of humankind and carry out the will of God. And um, when, when when Nebuchadnezzar fell into the snare of the devil and lifted himself up in pride, immediately... Uh, the watchers judged him, and he was set down uh, and became like an animal, and was removed from his office. This now showing us the fact that the heavens do rule over the earth. Now this this is not news, and it's not it's not uh, certainly not news in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter four, for example. When the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, it tells us, verse 8, Again, the devil takes him, Jesus, up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and says unto him, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaves him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The Lord Jesus Christ does not say this was a false offer. In fact, the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them are today in the hands of Satan. Now, they are legally in his hands. They're legal in his hand, legally in his hands, because Adam placed them there. When Adam sinned, uh, and he, he followed Satan and he lost his dominion, uh, he lost, In Adam, dominion was lost. In Christ, dominion shall be regained. But we see not today all things subject to him. But we do see Jesus, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of God the Father on high. And so here we have now in Christ, not not merely the restoration of what Adam had, but in fact a new race of men. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ will rule as a man, "...over all the heavens and the earth, but not yet." And this is the great... You remember me inaugurating this teaching today by saying that there's a, there is this division among uh, Reformed thinking and dispensational thinking. And, and let me just say that the Bible teaches that we are not here to reign yet. We will not rule and reign in these mortal bodies." This mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible must put on incorruption. And we're not qualified to rule and reign today. We do not know if we're qualified to rule and reign with Christ today. We will find out if we are qualified to rule and reign with Christ in resurrection at the judgment seat of Christ and not until that time. And this world does not need sinners to rule over it and friends I'm still a sinner I'm saved I have a new nature all my sins have been forgiven God is merciful to me but the news today is not that I'm no longer a sinner it's my turn to rule the, the word today is to others Christ receiveth sinful men even me with all my sin and this is the this is the news today The the, the good news of Jesus Christ today is not here I am qualified to rule because I'm Christian. The good news today is Jesus Christ is still saving sinners. And there's a day coming when our Lord Jesus Christ returns and we will be with him and we will be like him. And when I'm like him, then am I qualified, if he says so, to rule and reign with him and not until. And so the Lord Jesus Christ does not argue with Satan here and say, No, you can't give me any of these things. This is not in your power to do that. That's illegitimate. He just points out that your terms of service are illegal. You are not to be worshiped. The heavens rule over the earth and God rules over the heavens and God is the only one to be worshiped. And that is the way he puts uh, Satan to silence now the lord jesus christ also verified this to pontius pilate and let me say that that we are taught in uh, as paul told timothy jesus christ professed a good profession before pontius pilate and what did the lord jesus christ tell pontius pilate well in john chapter 18 and verse 33, we read this. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall and called Jesus and said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, mine my, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And, and this is a, a simple statement. It is quite well known uh, among Christians. But I guess somehow we don't like to hear it. We, we don't like to hear that his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is of, is, is of, the, of the next world. His kingdom is of, of a different world, and it is not of this world. And and so this is the part of the good confession. This is part of the good profession that he professed to Pontius Pilate. Part of it, my kingdom is not from hence. It is not from hence. And, and so who are we to say that his kingdom now is from hence? Well, in order to say that, we have to contradict... Or we have to misunderstand or misinterpret, Uh, for example, Revelation chapter 11. Here's what Revelation chapter 11 reads. When we uh, look at Revelation chapter 11, well, we have to understand the context of Revelation, uh, that there are uh, three major woes, and uh, in the context of the third woe, uh, Verse 14 says, The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe comes quickly. And the seventh angel sounded. This is the last trumpet. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. My friends, that is a day future. That's not today. Uh, that's the great uh, uh, hallelujah chorus of, of the Messiah, which is, which is the, the day future when our Lord Jesus Christ is, is just ready to return. And, uh, and, the, and the great voices in heaven say, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. And I'm hearing the Messiah chorus in, in my mind as I read this and uh, that wonderful work. And I'm getting excited just thinking about it, but it's not today. I'm excited here reading the Scriptures. and But when I get out of this studio uh, and I walk outside and I get in my car, I'm subject to the, to the laws of men. I'm still a sinner. I still have all the problems of this world, and I still have an angelic conflict on my hands. I still have an angelic conflict on my hands. And when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord, the angels will have been taken out of the heavens. In fact, Satan's going to get thrown out of heaven before that time. And those angels that occupy the heavens, these are the ones who we fight today. This is where our great wrestling match comes from. This is what uh, we have on our hands. We have this kingdom of heaven under siege and under conflict. And this is why we have the Christian life. This is our Qualification. This is why it's said to us in the last chapter of Ephesians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against wicked spirits in heavenly places. And uh, I say the last chapter. That's it's not, not where we find it. But we wrestle against uh, we wrestle against wicked spirits. And the way that we wrestle, and the, the to the extent that we that we fight is to is the extent to which we'll be qualified to rule and reign with Christ. In fact, uh, it is it is the last chapter of Ephesians. I've turned to it. That's another problem, by the way, with radio. When you're in a pulpit, you can just stand and turn, and uh, but 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 it, that that creates dead air on the radio, and I guess that's just a horrible thing to have. From what I understand, I don't get to have any dead air. Ephesians chapter six. Finally, my brethren, verse ten, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle—that's the schemes of the devil—such as the scheme to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar, such as the scheme to overthrow Israel, such as the scheme, my brother, to overthrow you and your home. Put on the whole armor. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against. And here we find principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have four levels or four ranges of wicked spirits, and this is what we have to deal with. This is the order of the kingdom of the heavens today. This is the way it's arrayed. And it's against us. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. This is what we have on our hands, friend. And We're going to look more at how to wage that conflict the remainder of this week. So stay tuned.